Hello, we've come to the next in our study in the life of Jacob, and it's entitled Jacob Blessed by God. And the whole section we're looking at is Genesis 29 to chapters 31, and it's a long passage, and be good to read it in your own time to get the whole picture, but we're going to focus on various uh, verses and themes uh, in these three chapters. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Andrew quoted the phrase about weaving a tangled web. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. And that's the first heading of this message, the weaving of a tangled web, but God has a purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are working out your purposes in history, in the lives of your people. And Lord God, we thank you for what we can learn today as we open our Bibles and study together. Lord, please speak to us and help us to listen with responsive hearts, believing and trusting and obeying hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the weaving of a tangled web, but God has a purpose. Now Esau is threatening to kill Jacob. Jacob is sent away for safety and to find a wife from his relatives in Padan Aram. Now we found that Jacob is a schemer, and over these next 20 years, Jacob is going to use his devious ability. But he's also going to be the victim of deviousness, and so Jacob is going to have to learn some tough lessons. Jacob will emerge blessed by God, with two wives and children and lots of wealth, but it, it is not going to be an easy journey. And one day, Jacob will return to Canaan, and the prophecies from God will continue to become true. Abraham's descendants will multiply and bring blessing, salvation to the nations. And we see how that on Jacob's particular part of the journey, God puts a, a devious father-in-law, Laban, into his life. God is going to teach Jacob. He's going to produce some humility and straightforwardness in Jacob. And after two decades away from his homeland, on his return later, he's going to uh, have this kind of last conversation with his crafty father-in-law and in chapter 31 verse 41 it goes like this it was like this for the 20 years I was in your household I worked for you 14 years with your for your two daughters and six years for your flocks and you changed my wages 10 times if the God of my father the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me you would surely have sent me away empty-handed but God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands and last night he rebuked you. Now, Jacob still has clearly more lessons to learn, because even here in his defence to Laban, although he's acknowledging God and how God has blessed him and helped him, he's not telling the whole story because Jacob has been crafty with Laban, but Jacob's a work in progress and God hasn't finished with him yet. Now, let's go back to the beginning of those two decades, those 20 years in Haran, chapter 29, verse 1. Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. Now Jacob arrives outside of Padam, Padam Aram and there's this well and the shepherds were gathering their flocks to, and they're waiting and that seemed curious to Jacob. It was obviously a tradition maybe out of politeness as all the local shepherds wait till everyone has arrived before they open up the well. When all the flocks in verse 3 were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. 
And Jacob, in verse 4, asks the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. Jacob asks after his relative Laban, verse 5. Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we, we know him, they answered. And then Jacob asked them, Is he well? And they reply, Yes. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Look, he said, the sun is still high. Is it not time for the flocks to be gathered? Water the sheep and take them back to pasture. We can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. Well, Rachel's on the horizon and Jacob's eyes are going to pop out of his head. His heart's going to start beating fast. And whatever the tradition was for opening this well, Jacob just gets stuck on, stuck in with a sparkle in his eye for, for Rachel. He rolls away the stone and waters his uncle's sheep. Now, like most men in that kind of situation, he's motivated to do something heroic to impress his gal. Now, it's sad but true, isn't it, how it gets harder after you are married. The journey from the sofa to the sink can be very challenging. Shouldn't be that way. Well, Jacob, like a young man in love, he uh, does the heroic thing and gets his uh, uncle's sheep watered and it obviously impresses uh, Rachel and then the family and he goes to meet the family in verses 11 to 14 of chapter 29 and Jacob stays for the whole month working and then after four weeks or so Laban suddenly thinks well let's, we need to pay Jacob some wages and Jacob who's madly in love with Rachel takes the opportunity to ask to work a dowry to marry Rachel verse, chapter 29 verse 16 now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. Well, Laban deceives Jacob. Jacob works for seven years for Rachel, but he is deliberately given the wrong wife. They keep the lights low and the wine goblets full, and he wakes up with Leah next to him. But a week later, he gains the wife of his dreams. But he has to work another seven years for her. So he ends up with two wives, and it's a life with stress because of that. There is an ongoing tension and rivalry between the two wives. It took a long time for Rachel to bear his first child, which was a great sadness to her and no doubt to him, and the cause of smugness with Leah, who was the, the more productive wife. Well, between them, over the years, 11 sons and a daughter, and Benjamin was to be born later to Rachel in Canaan. And Jacob has been looking after Laban's flocks for years by now, and God has blessed Laban through Jacob. But Jacob has not had the chance to build up his own flocks. And Laban doesn't want him to go because Laban can see that that will mean God's blessing will, will move away with Jacob. And he doesn't appear sentimental about his family leaving as such, but about the, the blessing, the benefits of having Jacob around. So in chapter 30 and verse 28, Laban said to Jacob, name your wages and I will pay them. He wants to discourage him from, discourage him from leaving. Verse 29, Jacob said to him, you know how, how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I, I do something for my own household? 
And what Jacob simply asks is to keep the speckled and the spotted sheep and goats as his wages to build up his own flocks. And Laban agrees to that. But Jacob has an elaborate plan to amass for himself great, great flocks in a way that looked legitimate and technically it was legitimate, but it was still devious. Well, cutting a long story short, Laban was getting suspicious and Jacob was called by God to go home to Canaan. Chapter 31, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. Then verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So with all that they had gained, family and flocks, Jacob and his wives do a bunk. And Rachel has secretly stolen one of Laban's household god statuettes, which is telling, isn't it? It shows that, that Rachel, that Laban's household was, was still semi-pagan. Well, those who are doing the runner, they get three days away, but they are slow with all the families and the animals with them. And Laban chases after them and catches them up and accusing Jacob of the theft of the, of the idol statuette. Now, God has warned Laban to be careful how he speaks to Jacob. Laban has enough power uh, to attack and, and to force them back, so it's clear that, that God is looking after Jacob and the family. And Laban believes in the Lord, he mentions the, the name of the Lord, but there's a mix going on here. He has household idols, and Jacob was, was part of this family that were not fully serving the Lord, and it seems a right mix-up. It is a tangled web that was being woven, but God had a plan and a purpose. And that leads to the, the second main heading here. What is the, the point of Jacob? What is the point of any of us? What is the point of this journey that Jacob is on, his life's journey? Now my children have watched a, a quiz program on TV called Pointless. Uh, I've never really got into it myself. Obviously my children were further up in the queue when the brains were given out, but the title of the show is so depressing. I can't get beyond it. Pointless. Pointless. Now, why is God bothering with a twister, a dysfunctional family, a, a future nation that is going to let him down and break, break his heart? God has been overruling in these 20 years. He has a plan for Jacob's life. He has lessons to teach him. God has chosen to bless him even though he is a twister. And even though we might think, well, why bother? What's the point of dealing with, with Jacob the way he was? Now, since the promise in Genesis 3, verse 15, God's people, those who did have faith in him, have been expecting a son to be the serpent crusher. There's going to be a son of a, of a woman who's going to be the one who's going to crush the serpent. And, and God promised the serpent there back in Genesis 3, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There's... Also the promise that Abraham's family is going to become a great nation and be a blessing to all the nations. And Jacob was in that family line. Now, with the birth of each child in this family line, there's an anticipation. Could this be the one? The hopes, could it have been Isaac? Could it, could it now be Jacob? Now, Jacob is clearly not the answer. We can see it, it's, it's so hard to believe anything good will come from Jacob. Even when he comes out of the womb, he's holding onto his brother's heel, isn't he? If anything, Jacob is a candidate for the devil's school, because like the devil, he's a heel bruiser, a heel crusher. 
he was born grasping his brother's foot. So in a way, Jacob is a picture of the twisted nature of humanity, a massive contrast to Jesus, who would eventually come from this family line. What's the point of Jacob? Well, we've just said it. Jacob is the one whom God, God has chosen to bless, and through him, a family line is going to reach out into history, and from that family line, there's going to come the Saviour, Jesus. Jacob is going to be the family link to Jesus. But Jacob, the twister. Rachel, the idol stealer, is part of this journey too. Leah and Rachel, the, the jealous sisters, are part of this family. Twisted sinners were in Jesus' family, in this whole catalogue of characters leading up to his arrival and birth. But what does Jesus do now? Now Jesus adopts all kinds of sinners, all the kinds of Jacobs and Rachels of this world. Leah was unloved, but she got a husband, and she was the mother of Levi and Judah, and they became tribes of priests and kings. And these two roles were going to be, in the future, combined into the perfect man, Jesus, who is our Lord and King and our sacrificial Saviour, the one who gave his life for us and the one whom we follow and trust as Lord and King. People who were hurt and damaged like Leah are to be part of the family link to Jesus and the one who now forgives and heals and changes people's lives invites equally hurt and damaged people, the twisters like Rachel, the people uh, like Rachel and, and Jacob. Now, in other words, if God can work in the life of Jacob and co, we have hope, don't we? We have hope. God is working to straighten out a crooked man, and Jacob has much to learn. And there are, are lessons for us in this, too. Let's think about those. First of all, is your life, maybe also your family history, is it a mess? Are you appalled by the, the sinful characteristics that you see in yourself? Do you think that somehow God made a mistake when he called you into his family? Do you see glimpses of the twists and the turns in your character and feel a sense of despair? Now I would be more concerned if you never felt that. The Apostle Paul described himself as a, a wretched man when he looked into his heart. And if we're honest with ourselves, we would all have that experience of feeling that the depths and the the twistedness of our sinful natures. But God took Jacob into his family and into his school. He saved him from apprenticeship to the devil because he would have been a good candidate for his school. God forgave Jacob and he began the process of changing his life. Now let me ask you, which apprenticeship are you serving? Are you signed up to Jesus or are you letting the devil keep you in his school? There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 and uh, it's a lovely verse of hope for all people who come to, to Christ and trust in him it says therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them now in, in the old English uh, it reads like this God is able to save to the uttermost God is able to save to the uttermost I remember hearing a preacher years ago say God can save from the guttermost to the uttermost so let me encourage you, repent of that sin, that twistedness, that unrighteousness, that rebellion against God. Come with all your flaws and failings that are in you, that are in your family history. Trust in Jesus, 
the light of the world. Keep following that light wherever he leads. Whatever mistakes you have made, look to the light. Whatever hurts you get, keep looking, keep following the light. And Jacob was a link to bring us Jesus into the world, wasn't he? And all God's plans and purposes were converging on the family line that would be part of the family history of Jesus. Now Jesus has come. And we are now the link to the people around us, to the people in the present and into the future. Our children, our grandchildren, our colleagues and our neighbours and so on, and people in other parts of the world. We are a link to others coming into the family, linking back to Jesus, introducing people to him. And it's such a lovely picture of how God included people in his pre, pre-Jesus history, before Jesus came to this world. Of course, we know Jesus lived forever in heaven, but before Jesus came to this world, the, the family link that God used to bring him into this world was full of misfits and twisters and hurt people and damaged people. And now Jesus has come. They are part of his family. And we now can come into that family, whatever condition, whatever the damage has happened to us. And God can take us and use us and straighten us out and, and, and use us for great things. Can God really use you and me? Well, he used Jacob. He used him to be that physical link into his family, to the family of Jesus. And he can certainly use us to be the spiritual link, introducing other people to Jesus to be part of this grand family. So be encouraged. Let me also encourage you to aim to learn to be straightforward, to be an open book before God, to deal wisely, but not crookedly or shiftily, to be a trustworthy person. A straightforward honest person now we need strategists in life don't we we need people who can see several moves ahead on the chessboard in certain areas of life we need to be shrewd and canny when it comes to business or police work just two examples shrewd but just and fair I hope but when it comes to family life when it comes to our relationships with our husbands our wives when, when we come to relationships with those close friends our soul friends and most definitely and above all, when it comes to our relationship with God, we need to be straightforward, honest people. You cannot play chess with God. Psalm 18 and verse 25 says this. This is about God. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. To save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are or haughty. Now Jacob could, could hide behind a corkscrew. He was such a crafty man, a bit of a spiv, you might say. He was economical with the truth. He was a schemer. And we can see that his interactions with God were along this line too, trying to make deals with God and so on. But this trying to play chess with God is gradually exposed and trained out of him. And it takes many, many years. And his life is the harder for it. But God works out his plans and purposes, nevertheless. Now, God put a Laban in his life because Jacob isn't going to learn the easy way. And it's a difficult journey. But let me ask you, do you want to learn the hardest way? Now, I guess that all life lessons have hard roots about them, difficult things to face up to. But sometimes we do make things very much harder for ourselves. And it's usually through stubbornness. It's usually through pride. It's usually through defensive reactions when we're challenged. It's through holding on to our sin 
and not being straightforward and open about it, honest before God. If we don't examine ourselves and humble ourselves and learn an honest and straightforward attitude, then maybe God will bring a Laban into our lives or an experience that we won't find pleasant. But it's a training school to work that out of us. Now, this is serious. There's an easy way to learn our lessons and there's a way of more chastisement, going through the mill, boot camp instead of school. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 31, the Apostle Paul is addressing a church with uh, a number of people, a minority, but a number of people who uh, were not examining themselves, who were not being honest and straight with God and, and with each other. Uh, and they were harboring sins and attitudes. And, and there were consequences from that. And Paul says here, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. And the judgment there is a chastisement, not a, not a condemnation, but experiences of life which were to teach them hard lessons. And he says, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Now, Psalm 32, verse 1 to 5 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. But verse 3 says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Well, we see there in that psalm, when the psalmist refused to just have the open confession, refused to be straightforward with God, when he kind of tried to play chess with God and keep things from God, keep his, his moves hidden from God, as if he could ever checkmate God. When he kept silent, his bones wasted away through his groaning all day long. There were even physical effects of stress on his life because he was holding on to onto sin and not confessing it. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Now that, that was obviously that uh, particular psalm writer's experience. And we see Jacob, his experience. The hard lessons he had to learn. Lessons he had to learn the harder way. Because he wasn't straightforward with God and with other people. And so we need to learn this. To have that real honesty with God with ourselves before God, about those twisted parts in our characters, those faults and failings in our characters, and to bring them before God. And not to just say, well, that's just me, but to say, Lord, here I am, change me, work in me. We see how God does, does this in, in the life of Jacob. But as, as I said before, Jacob learned many of his lessons the hard way. He had to even wrestle with God, and God had to put his hip out of joint in one, we'll come to that next next time. But please, let's not have to learn all our lessons the hard way. Let's learn from the mistakes that Jacob made. And also, let's be encouraged that God can use us. Whatever our hurts, whatever, whatever sin has done to us, whatever we have done in our mistakes as we have committed sins against, against God and against others. As we come to him, we can be forgiven, and we can be changed and transformed and used by God in, in amazing ways. He did it with Jacob. 
He did it with the, this dysfunctional family those many years ago, and he can do it with you. And yes, we may have weaved a tangled web, but God has a plan for our lives. Let's submit our lives to him. Why, why did God bless Jacob when he was like this? Because God chose to bless him. God, out of his love, had a plan for his life. And God has a plan for your life. If you've heard the gospel, you've responded to the, the call of Jesus to come to him and trust in him, you can be encouraged that God intends to bless you because he loves you. Therefore, go forward in that assurance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work in the life of Jacob. Thank you for the example of how you took a life that seemed to be a candidate for uh, an apprenticeship to the devil even. But Lord God, you changed and transformed him from a family, Lord, that was dysfunctional in many ways. Lord, you did great things and ultimately brought Jesus, our Saviour, into the world. Lord, we commit our lives to you. Lord, whatever our background, whatever our past, whatever we have done, whatever others have done to damage us, Lord, we come to you and we lay ourselves in your hands. Lord, thank you that although there's a tangled web already woven, you have a purpose, you have a plan. Lord God, we ask that you would help us to be honest and straightforward with you. Help us, Lord, to be honest about our faults and failings, not to try and cover up and play a silly game of chess with you, but, Lord God, to be honest before you. And, Lord, we believe that as we do that, as we are discerning regarding ourselves, then we can learn lessons the easier way. And, Lord God, we can uh, learn without having to be chastised as much as we might. And, Lord God, we can... Uh, Lord, experience that uh, your voice speaking to us, teaching us. And Lord, that intimacy, Lord, with you as we listen to your word and respond day by day. So please speak to us and teach us and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.